This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, Woodside Church. Hello to any welcome guests that are joining us this morning. My name is Connie Hayward. I am a member of Woodside Church and have been for a number of years and it is my pleasure to be sharing something of God's Word with you this morning. I'm going to be continuing in the series that we've been looking at of Through the Eyes Of um, and today we're going to be focusing on Through the Eyes of Mary, the Mother of Jesus, her experience of the cross and the resurrection But prior to getting to that place, we're going to be looking at her relationship with Jesus leading up to that point. That will just help us to fully appreciate the experience that she had and what we can gather from that time. I pray for all of us that God would just give us real insight and wisdom into his word so that we may grow in knowledge of him even more so and I pray that you know your hearts would feel that too. May I encourage you to be open to God speaking to you personally and if you are someone that wouldn't yet call Jesus a friend please be open to what the Bible has to offer you too. As parents, we can have many wonderings about our children. Even before they're born, we can be wondering, will they be a girl or a boy? For my husband, Adam, he um, thought and was quite sure that all three of our pregnancies um, would be boys, but they were actually three girls. So as I say, they're just wonderings. We can wonder what they'll choose to be when they're older, what their personality traits will be like. Will they be quick-tempered or patient? Will they be generous? And of course, all the positive things each parent hopes and wonders that their child will have and opportunities. We can wonder who they will marry or even do they want to get married? But for Mary, She had many of these wonderings already answered by the angel Gabriel, even before Jesus was born, even before the Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived Jesus. She was already told that he would be a boy, that his name would be Jesus, that he would be the son of the Most High, that he'd be a great man, that he would inherit the throne of David, his ancestor, and that his kingdom would have no end. With such a prophecy, you could be thinking, and Mary could have been thinking, well, what role do I have to play in this? How as a mother can I contribute to this? Because I already know there are many great things that Jesus will achieve. And we can think that sometimes, you know, in ourselves or called to good things, but well, maybe someone else will achieve better. But actually, God had chosen Mary for this unique purpose that no one else had been called to. God had called her specifically to that purpose. And she played a significantly um, important role within his life. There is safe assumptions that we can make about Mary 
that in bringing Jesus up, that she provided for him, she protected him, she nursed him, she, um, when he was sad, she cheered him up, she taught him how to walk and how to talk, she moulded him. In Luke 2, it says about Jesus this, that he increased in wisdom and in stature in favour with God and man. One Bible commentator says this, at the very least, this indicates that Jesus was bound by the normal course of human development in body and in mind. See, Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. But for a time, it is likely that one nature was more at the forefront than the other. And if not, this could have led to quite an unnatural talking, walking baby being born. Imagine the bedtime stories at Mary's house where Jesus would climb up in Mary's lap and say, Mum, Mum, tell me that story again. Tell me what the angel said about me. Tell me, what did the wise men bring? What did the angel say to my earthly father, Joseph? Mary was a gift to God, to Jesus, and she was hand-picked for that unique purpose. But Mary could have thought, even still, what do I have to offer? But Mary was essential to this particular plan of God's. She was essential to the growth and development of Jesus. Even in these uncertain times, we all have significant roles that God has picked for each of us to do. And it's important that we see that, that we know that God has plans and purposes for us in every single day, even when they don't feel like a big grand calling, such as being the mother of God, but he has plans for us. It's important that we keep reading the Bible to our children. We keep serving others around us. And even if we can't do that face to face, we can do it in many other ways, keeping in contact with them, sending encouragements and praying for one another. The Bible tells us that our prayers are powerful and effective and they are far reaching. So even if we can't physically be with people, we can make a difference to them. This is what the Bible says about such a calling. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, he prepared these in advance, not unaware of what the future would hold, but fully aware of what the future would hold. And he made these plans for you, these good works that make a difference God foreknew, and like Mary, he has prepared this in advance for you and I to do. So we know that Jesus grew in knowledge and stature and wisdom, but by the age of 12, Jesus knew he was the Son of God. In Luke, it recounts a story where Mary and Joseph each year would go down to Jerusalem with Jesus to celebrate the festival of the Passover. It says this, when he was 12 years old, Jesus, 
They went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began to look for him, aware that he was not among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I don't know if you've ever experienced not being able to find your child. And I appreciate not everyone here listening would be a parent, but I'm sure you can identify with something of this. It is the most sickening feeling. I once could not find my children, um, my older two, they'd run ahead at school and they usually met me by a tree. But as I approached this tree, I realized they weren't where they should be. And I'm telling myself, don't panic, don't panic. But within seconds, that panic had arisen. And I saw another mum that I knew who knew my children. And I said, I can't find Molly and Esme. I literally wanted to scream, somebody help me. And she very calmly looked around and saw them running towards us from the other side of the field where they'd gone over to the play equipment. It was a sickening feeling, but praise God, they were okay. And it only really lasted about a minute. But imagine for Mary, three days of being unsure where he was and the panic that would have risen in her heart. You see, she had been entrusted with the Son of God and she'd lost him. Mary lost God. How awful a feeling is that? But the story goes on and says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? There is a fearlessness about Mary's character. She was not afraid to challenge Jesus, knowing full well that he is God. Why have you treated like this? This, she said. Mary's not passive and she asks questions of God. She is honest with God about her feelings and how she, how, how she felt about this whole situation. She was honest with him. And perhaps that's one reason why she was chosen to have such a role, because of that fearless fight within her. Though we must notice she does it in a respectful way. She says, son, she acknowledges the relationship that she holds with him. She is honest. Before her in the Bible, we see that both Moses and Abraham also challenged God. We can be honest with God too when we're talking to him, when we don't understand things or the way he does things. We can respectfully, honoringly come before God and say, I do not understand this God. And I've got to be honest with you, this is how I feel. God is not afraid of your honest answers, your honest emotions and your honest feelings. He can handle it. 
He may not always answer you in the way you expect. At the end of this story, we're told that Mary and Joseph did not still understand at that point, but Jesus had pointed them to God. I'm in my father's house. I'm doing my father's business. Come to God, be honest with him, and he will point you to himself because everything within him is good. Jesus at this time was fully aware of his heritage and position, but he remained obedient to his earthly parents. As I said, Mary didn't always understand everything, but the Bible tells us twice that she treasured these things. She stored them up in her heart. Though she didn't have understanding, she knew they were worth holding on to. The Bible doesn't tell us what happens in Jesus's life between the age of 12 to 30, but custom and culture of that time tells us that Jesus would have learned his earthly father's trade as a carpenter, that he would have continued as a committed Jew to learning the Old Testament scriptures and growing in his understanding with, with all of those. But beyond that, what did happen in those years? Because what I want to know is, did Jesus perform miracles when he was at home? And if he didn't, then how did Mary know? Because the next time we um, are told anything about Jesus' life is when he is age 30. He's at the wedding um, with his mum in Canaan. And they're both there. And once again, we see Mary's challenging, inspiring character. It says in John 2, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? He said, my an hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary effectively kickstarts Jesus's public ministry. She doesn't try and control him, but she does encourage him. She honors him. And as much as she's kind of saying, come on, Jesus, she does it in an honoring way and she puts it back on him. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. She acknowledges that his way is the right way. It's not that she knows how he should do it. She knows what she wants the end result to be, but she gives it to Jesus and he handles it. She does this because she knows what he has in him. She champions him. Interestingly, it, the Bible tells us a few verses on that after this miracle, Jesus' disciples believed in him. But even before this miracle, Mary is believing in him. She's encouraging him because she knows what he has within him. Perhaps there's someone that needs your Mary-like encouragement today or over the next coming weeks. They need you to inspire them and help them. With times as they are, we could be in danger with the physical isolation um, that's going on of losing that degree of encouragement that we so all desperately need, that human physical encouragement that we're so used to, but now almost that connection's been broken a bit and taken away but it is possible to still do it. I have been tremendously encouraged 
by my community group. It's a small one that's part of a bigger one, so both of those. And then there's another mums group um, that we're just talking on WhatsApp. People are FaceTiming, we're having Zoom meetings, and it's making a massive difference. People are showing me that they haven't forgotten about me in this time, and I am able to do the same and encourage them. We can make a difference when we realise we ourselves need encouragement, and others will too. And we can do something about this. We can make a difference to those around us. Let's be like Mary, championing, encouraging and inspiring. The next three years, Jesus watched as, sorry, Mary watched as Jesus stepped into his public ministry. She watched him as he taught the crowds. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the light of the world. If you abide in me, in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus, she, Mary watched as Jesus brought the most phenomenal teaching, moral values, eye-opening purpose and value to the people that he spoke to. She observed this all. But we know that Mary didn't just observe Jesus's public ministry. She also observed the cross. The author, a Christian author called John Bloom, he says this about the cross. The cross, what a terror. Extremely, almost inconceivably terrible. It was designed to be that way, to strike profound terror in the minds of any who potentially could be tortured upon one. Jesus was executed on a cross. He was counted as among the worst offenders. His death was real and it was really terrible. And who should be standing there before him? At his most vulnerable, beaten beyond recognition as a man, was his mother, Mary. Mary had been told when Jesus was just a baby by a prophet named Simeon that a sword would pierce her very soul. No doubt these words echoed in her mind in that very moment. This was that moment. She endured much within her calling as a mother. She had heard the mocking of her son, Jesus, the son of God. She had seen the soldiers' greed destroy his very possessions. Though she had not always understood why he did things the way he did, she knew he was good. Sorry, she knew he was God. She knew he was good, the purest essence of good. She had seen the miracles, drank the water that had become wine. She had heard him speak with such wisdom as no man had ever spoken before. <clears throat> she had seen him heal the blind, raise the dead and bring sanity to the lost broken souls. She had witnessed lives changed and heard the most beautiful message of hope. God is just, God is merciful, God is faithful, God is loving, God is forgiving and God is here. But now she stands before Jesus, raised up, 
on a Roman cross, watching him suffer for the sins of the world, satisfying the wrath of God, being ransomed for our salvation, satisfying that wrath that we ourselves could never satisfy. Jesus changing from being her son to being her saviour. She heard him cry out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And with his final breath, it is finished. And so the miraculous gift that God had given to Mary was gone. Pain once again struck her heart as a sword pierced his side. Her knees crumbled and she wept aloud. See, Mary's silence at the cross was a great testimony to who Jesus is. Wouldn't a mother shout and defend her child if she knew it wasn't true? Wouldn't she say, he's crazy, but don't kill him. He's not well, but don't kill him. But Mary, the Bible tells us, did not say a word at the cross. She stood humbly before her son, knowing that if he wanted to, he could come down off of that cross, but he chose not to. And there must have been purpose to that. See, Jesus wasn't crucified for being a good man, a good teacher, for healing the sick. He was crucified because he claimed to be God. Mary's silence acknowledged that. The Bible doesn't tell us about Mary's experience over the next three days, but for any of you who have ever experienced the loss of a loved one, you'll be able to gauge some understanding of what she would have felt at that time. It's coming up to two years since my dad died. Um, he hadn't been well for a long while, but it was still quite a shock when we were told that he had passed away. And I can still remember those first few hours and the first couple of days after he died, the grief that engulfed me, the acute pain and longing of missing him so intensely, like that if he'd walked back in the room at that time, I don't know that I would ever let go. I wanted to tell him everything I thought of him, how proud I was and am of him that actually he had made just such a wonderful difference to my life, but I missed him so much. So imagine Mary's joy when three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. See, in that time of pain and grief, it can feel so all-consuming. Marshall Siegel, a Christian author says this about that suffering. Suffering has a way of making the difficult circumstances of the present seem ultimate, as if our whole existence is summed up in that awful moment. But for those with a living hope, suffering is never ultimate. You see, because even in the midst of pain, God can bring comfort. Even in the midst of pain, God can bring hope. And in the midst of pain, 
God can lift our eyes and say, this is not the end of the story. And for Mary, it wasn't either. Because once again, Mary would have fallen to her knees, but this time, not in grief, but in worship. We don't know specifically about Jesus appearing before Mary, but we are told that in Acts, that after Jesus had spent 40 days um, with his disciples and meeting hundreds of other people, that he ascended on high. And that the disciples, after seeing him ascend, went back to where they were staying and gathered to pray. And Mary is named among them, united in prayer. See, in Acts 1 verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the other women, Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Again, we see Mary's character coming through, a prayerful woman, resilient, faithful, assured of who she believes in, an honest woman, full of integrity, holding fast to what she knows is truth. And after being an eyewitness to Jesus dying on the cross, it would have taken hard evidence for her to have believed and continued to pray to Jesus if she had not seen him herself. But he did appear before her and she, her commitment to him displays that. You see, Mary would have known that Jesus was alive. What joy that would have brought her, what hope and what resolute confidence, but also what a reward to her faithfulness in God. For those of us who have invited Jesus to be king of our lives, to live in our hearts, one day we will see him face to face and that will be such a reward for our faithfulness to him too. Mary continued to be part of the early church and she remained faithful. She is mentioned once more in Acts 12. Alan Scott, who's a church leader, said this, the future does not belong to the brilliant, but the resilient, not to those who avoid scars or pain, but to wounded healers who choose to give again. What highs and lows Mary would have experienced throughout her lifetime, but she never gave up and she chose to give again. See, Mary's resolute conviction in who, God, who Jesus was, that he is the son of God, displayed that she had found her treasure in him. Can the world see through your pain where your treasure is? Let us live our lives displaying the overwhelming glorious riches given to us in Christ Jesus. Matthew 5 verse 16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Pressing on despite past pains in the wisdom that you've learned through that experience, hearts full of the grace of God we can shine brightly in a darkened world. We are called and chosen. We are gifted and equipped. We are given hope in trouble. 
and we set our minds and our hearts on the treasure that is Jesus Christ. God bless you all. I pray you know God with you through the week ahead. Bye. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.